Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and miniskirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. Usually when people read my 10 core skill sets, they'll find that they resonate with three or even four of them. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, it's not just about which one or two or three you resonate with. It's about which one you want to lead with. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Ashley, welcome to She. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. This is going to be so fun. We talk about this a lot in our community. We really focus on supporting working women, whatever their job role looks like right now, whether that's working full-time in their home, working a career, building a business. We have a lot of busy, hardworking women in this community. And one of the topics we talk a lot about is clarity. And I wrote a whole book about clarity and, and the whole idea of figuring out what you're supposed to do with your life, especially if you have multiple dreams, multiple passions, multiple interests. And I think that's such a common struggle of so many. We see so many uh, messages out there to tell us or that tell us, go after your dream and do the thing. And so a lot of us are like, okay, what if I have a lot of dreams or I don't know what my dream is? And so I'm just really looking forward to this conversation, especially as you really help people in their career and finding clarity in their career. So before we dive into too much of the nitty gritty, I'd love if you can give us a little peek into your background. What led you to become a career coach and what is your own journey of job hunting looked like? Nitty gritty is right. I feel like I have so many notes for everybody to take, especially with you having written a book on clarity. So I'm so excited to just be here. And as far as my own story goes, my career wasn't linear. And I think that's really the case for some people that I know that have the most interesting and inspiring and fulfilling careers. It's like, as human beings, we're always growing and evolving, and that doesn't always look linear. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I started my career, you know, I grew up in a house where the news was always on. And from a really young age, I was very aware of what was happening in the world. My dad always was talking about politics with my uncles. And it wasn't that I was political, but I was kind of opinionated just based on listening to them kind of banter. Hmm. And so when I got to college, I was like, I, I don't even know how to commit to a career path. I don't even know. How are you supposed mm -hmm. to know what career you're meant for if you've never even like had a career? You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's like, it feels kind of like the equivalent socially, what we're doing as a society to people in their career of like telling somebody that the first person they date has to be the one that they marry. It's mm, like, yeah. you don't, you don't know yourself yet. And mm -hmm. getting to know yourself is a process. Mm -hmm. And so there's all this pressure we put on ourselves. And so in my case, I just did the best I could. And I remember going to career services and asking, I don't know what to major in. And she just said all of those like three worded tirades that we all hear of like, do what you love and the money will follow. And yeah. I was like, Okay, don't know what to do with that. And so mm -hmm. I ended up majoring 
in government history and French, not because I was an overachiever having three majors, but because I was scattered. And I just mm-hmm. kind of decided to commit to all of the things that were interesting to me, hoping that the answer would come through of what I was supposed to actually do. Mm-hmm. And I poured myself into this career and I had this moment in, um, it was like 2008. And I write about this in my recent book where I was in an, I was living in France, studying abroad. And in this alleyway, I saw this man hit his wife hmm. across the face. Okay. Wow. And yeah, it, she had a baby in her arms. <gasps> oh my gosh. The baby was crying. She was crying. And she stared at me and it was pouring rain in the West of France in this moment. And I remember we locked eyes and I wanted to protect her. I wanted to help her. I looked around for police officers, but instead I made a career decision about her. Hmm. And it's so interesting. I think we all have these moments in our lives where something high impact happens and we don't even realize that we're making a career decision. Hmm. So in my case, I saw her, I had family members who were highly impacted by 9-11 and I was interested in cultures and languages. I'm bilingual in French. And so I just told myself, you know what? I'm going to commit to finding Osama bin Laden. That was the thing of Mm -hmm. my era growing up and Mm -hmm. and yours too, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. Like you hear about that in the news. So I did everything right. I got the internships. I did the degrees and then I kind of fell off of the you know, cliff of the recession with so many people, I couldn't get a job to save my life. And then I ended up taking a position as an admin assistant and taking Arabic classes at night at UCLA. And as I was an assistant making minimum wage with a graduate degree and with all of these languages, I knew how to speak. Finally, I just looked at myself in the mirror, like six months into my job, thinking to myself, there's got to be more than this. And the only thing worse than me putting myself out there and trying to figure out how to stand out or how to make my career happen the only thing worse is staying where I am. And so I emailed my university and they ended up sending me a list of 2,000 names. And from there, I ended up getting this huge response of emailing a ton of people, fell on my face, didn't know how to talk about myself. And then I had luck. So it was just really incredible to get people to help me and to to see how to talk about myself and how mm-hmm. to make results happen in my career. And that was what translated into me moving to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of the alumni were in D.C. because, I mean, that's just the nature of asking mm-hmm. the government department for an alumni <laughs> list. And I ended up getting three job offers. Mm-hmm. And it was just an incredible life-changing opportunity for me to get to the Pentagon. But the thing about it was that on my way into the Pentagon, I learned how to job hunt and that Mm. started to inform a different interest that I never knew was even something I could turn into a career path. People used to say to me, you should be a career coach. You're so good at this stuff. And Mm. I used to laugh and think that was like a code word for being broke. Like, what is a career (laughs) coach? (laughs) I didn't even know that that was like a real option 10 years ago. Mm. And so I ended up starting my business, creating courses, having my podcast, and now my book. And so it's been a really meaningful ride, but it wasn't the traditional route. I so love this because I wish this was said more. Like, I'm sure you say this all the time, and I feel like I say it a lot, but I have so many women who come to me and are like, I don't know what I want to do in my life. And I'm like, try stuff. Like, and know that it's everything that you do, like, it layers on itself and it begins to open one door after another. And I think sometimes, like you mentioned in the beginning, we have this expectation that the first job we get or the first thing that we started with or whatever is where we're going to land. And I'm like, man, if I would have taken that advice, then I would still be working in like a bank somewhere or at Jimmy John's. Like my first job truly was at Jimmy John's, like my true first job job, you know? And I think 
it's one of those things where if you allow yourself to evolve and just continue to make re- like make connections and develop relationships and pursue the next right thing, you end up finding, oh, you know what? I can take elements of this experience and elements of that one and th- and it all starts to eventually mesh and mold. And I don't think, I want to hear your thoughts on this, but this is my opinion. I don't think we ever fully arrive. Like even where you and I are at right now, we're I personally feel like I have my dream job. I love what I'm doing. I'm so happy. I know in 10 years, so much evolution is going to have happened, right? And I'm sure the same is with you. Like you might be doing exactly what you are called to do in the season and so aligned with your purpose. But as you continue to grow, as you see new needs, as new things happen, um, there's going to be new little doors that open and small pivots that are made and evolutions that occur just as a result of growing and more and more experiences. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think one of the defining moments in anybody's career, and I think these moments happen on on multiple occasions in our lives, is that in between of, you know, we land something that's such a fit for who we are today. And Mm -hmm. then maybe a year or two or three later, it no longer Mm -hmm. fits us. And it doesn't feel like that comfortable pair of jeans anymore. Mm -hmm. And and when that happens, it's like, who are you in that in between? Mm -hmm. Because I think the challenge is when you're in the in between, it's tempting to get reactive. It's tempting to force yourself to have answers. It's tempting to take something else and kind of create some chaos in your career versus saying to yourself, I'm entering into a process of clarity. I'm calibrating with spirit, with the universe. Mm -hmm. And as I collect this information about me, as I start to land into something that doesn't work for me, I will be receptive and I will allow time for me to get answers on what that best next move is for me. Yeah, it's so true. It's like a, it's, that's why I say it's like a constant evolution. I love that. One of the thing I wanted to ask about in kind of regards to this as someone maybe just embarking on the beginning of their career and feeling that like, I have to nail it right now. I have to figure it out. Right. Or someone who may be considering going back to school or, you know, pursuing a different career path. Something I get asked a lot about is how much does your college degree matter? What if you don't have the right degree or skill set that the job description you're looking for requires? Are there steps that you can take that if you feel like you lack that relevant work experience or relevant education? I would love to hear your thoughts on that, especially if someone has a change of heart and realizes, oh, that's actually where I want to go. Or they're at the beginning of their career journey and wondering, how important is this? Or what if I don't feel like I have the qualifications to step into where I want to go? What do you suggest doing in that case? Well, I mean, first of all, I would assert that 27% last time I checked the data, 27% of people are working in a job that does not require their degree whatsoever. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's just important to remember that your degree is here to serve you. You're not here to serve Mm -hmm. it. The years you put in are here to serve you. And I think there is a way when you're making a pivot or transition to look at the thread of the past. Look at the skills you are using as if it's a rainbow of many different skills you are using and tune into the skill on that rainbow that is relevant for where you're headed next and learn how to talk about that skill that is so needed for that next job you want, for that next place you want to go, for that next thing you're networking for, and really get intentional around making it clear that this is the skill that you have a brilliance with. And one of the things that I did in my book, which felt really important, and I can even go through them with you if it's helpful, but I wrote out 10 core skill sets that I believe are the 10 that exist in the workforce after 10 years of research with my own email list. And it was just so powerful for me to realize that, you know, my message is don't just follow your passion. What you love matters, but what matters more is your skill set because the skill you're using 
that the skill that you're harnessing, the skill that you have a brilliance with, that's how you're putting your energy out throughout the day. Mm-hmm. The interest you have, if it's politics or film or fashion, that's a backdrop. That's the building you're in. Mm-hmm. That might be the conversations around you, but ultimately your skill is, is how you're using your energy. And so my piece of work is really about helping people figure out what are those natural skills And uh, I think one of the most powerful ways to get that information is to ask people around you, because according to relationship research, your friends know if you are destined to have a lasting marriage more than you do. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because it's hard to read the label when Mm -hmm. we're inside the jar. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And and we have too much of a stake in our own reality to, Mm -hmm. to always see it clearly. And I think that's the case with our skills. And so... I recommend anyone listening after this conversation, text some people close to them. And I say text because if you do it in a conversation, you don't always have time to really process Mm -hmm. what people are saying about you. But maybe pick people like your parents and a couple of close friends and then maybe give it some variety. Ask a couple of colleagues that you Mm -hmm. feel comfortable asking, when have you seen me at my best? And when you can ask that question, you open it up for feedback from someone on where you really are shining, where you're really making an impact. And from there, you can ask yourself, what skill am I using that seems to translate throughout this feedback? Yeah, that's so good. I want to just like, I guess, echo everything that you just said, especially, I mean, I talk about that a lot because we have very passionate women in this community. And I myself have often talked about being multi-passionate. And I've had to learn the hard way, like, hold on, I can get carried away with all the things I would love to do, all the big fun ideas I have, right? And I have gotten carried away. I've burned myself out doing that. And I had to kind of get back to this place of, hold on, let me actually look at my experience and my skills and those things that I can pull out to actually create transformations in people's lives, right? Because that's ultimately what it's about. And that's where we're going to be fulfilled. Like you mentioned, the specific industry or overall type of work is a little bit more of a backdrop or something you can layer in, right? But starting with that core fundamental purpose is, or not purpose, skills is really where you're going to feel most aligned with your purpose. And then you can layer in those things you really care about by picking, you know, whatever uh, direction you want to go, whether it's politics, whether it's activism, whether it's fashion or something else, law, et cetera. I would love if you could share maybe a couple examples of some of those top 10 skills. You don't have to reveal all. We can have everyone go get the book to get all 10. But So I would love if you could share a couple of those and give us kind of a little preview of what some of those are. Yeah. So the 10 core skill sets, it's not just to land the job. I mean, obviously that helps, but because being who you are is always the Mm -hmm. best off Mm -hmm. to getting what you want, right? Like what you actually want. So the 10 core skill sets are really the 10 different energies, ways of being, gifts that I see people having in the workforce. And so, for example, this one is probably yours since you wrote a book, you have a podcast, and you're making so much impact through words. Words is one of my Mm. 10 core skill sets. Mm. And if you look at my career, there were a lot of different misunderstandings about how I wanted to use words. And that's kind of part of the calibration. So, for example, Mm. I ended up landing a job offer at the Pentagon and working in counterterrorism through that job hunting process I talked about. And that was words that got me there, you know, Mm. like talking to people, having conversations. But also, I ended up doing a lot of intelligence reports. And what I thought to myself is like the little student side of me was like, oh, wow, I love writing. So I get to write these intelligence reports. But that was actually a different core skill set. And I didn't realize it at the time. That's analysis. 
Hmm. Writing intelligence reports mm-hmm. is the analysis skill set. And I am not a detail-oriented thinker. It's just mm-hmm. not where my gifts are. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what happens for so many of us in our careers is that we have misunderstandings for what we're going after and how it's going to look. And so in my case, I realized later, like, I still love writing in words, but this isn't the version of it that I want to be mm-hmm. doing. And I think far too often, so many of us are just a couple millimeters off mm-hmm. in our career from who we really want to be. And so the words course skill set is one of them. Analysis is another one. And a question to ask yourself as you go through my 10 core skill sets is, you know, are you an introvert or are you an extrovert? And mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of research on ambiverts, but in my case, if I'm a words person, it's going to look very different if I'm introverted. And, you know, that would mean that I'm manifesting my expression of words more internally as a writer, as an editor, behind my computer screen, by myself. Mm-hmm. The second thing to kind of think about is um, if you're an extrovert, then it's kind of like, all right, then my words course skill set is going to be me on stage as mm-hmm. a speaker, being very external with my energy. So no matter which of the 10 core skill sets you are that I, I kind of have in chapter two of my book, but even just right now that we're going through, know that understanding if you're more internal or external with your energy is very key mm. when you kind of land into what your options are. And remembering there's a hundred thousand different ways I imagine that I could use words. And so these are not for you to say, this is my job title. It's for mm-hmm. you to say, this is this is what my gift is and let me go put it on myself to get creative, explore and have conversations and start watching the people around me who are using this core skill set so I can decide which way or which job or what business service I want to offer as a way to express it. Hmm, that's so good. I resonate with that a lot. Even what you just described, the difference between being introverted and extroverted. I think I have a little bit of extrovert. I think I'm like an extroverted introvert is like sometimes how they say they go together. But I always laugh because I realized like I actually really enjoy going into my writing cave. And like I had a friend reach out to me recently, a mutual friend of ours, actually. And she was like, so when you podcast, does it bother you that no one's sitting there watching you? Or like when you write, do you feel weird because you're not actually writing to it like you're writing to a page? And I was like, no, I thrive in that. (laughs) She was like, "Okay, well, we're opposite because I feel like I need a human in front of me and I want to like present to them. And I was like, no, I actually I I do speak and I've had to learn how to get comfortable with it. But my natural like comfort is to actually be in a space where I'm like, I will be here with my multiple beverages by myself. Let me know if you need me. I'm going to be writing, you know, and like, that's just how I thrive. And so, yeah, sometimes I feel like I need to get a life. But other than that, I mean, <laughs> that's really where I, you know, I have come to find that. And I think it's important to understand that about yourself because for so long, it, it it feels like, oh, that that's boring or, oh, that's, but it's, there's not a right or wrong answer. It's just identifying where are you most creative? Where do you come alive? Where are you most able to think? You know, it's kind of what I'm getting from what you're saying. And I mean, I relate to it a lot. And that was actually a really helpful defining factor for me. As you just said, it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's probably why I actually like sitting in my cave and writing more than I like going out and speaking on a stage, although I will do it. So anyways, random yeah. tangent there, but continue with the skills. No, Sorry. <laughs> Honestly, I'm exactly the same as you. And I think that's why I thought of this. Because when I was reflecting on these 10 skill sets, so I've talked about words, I've talked about analysis. Another one I'm trying to look at my list is service. Mm. And this one also brings up some questions. This is the humanitarian, the nurses, the supporters, the natural born helpers. And yet we have to ask ourselves the question when it comes to any of the 10 core skill sets I outline in the U-turn book is where is it coming from inside of me? Because sometimes we think a skill set we have is a skill set, 
when really it's just trauma playing itself out. Mm. It's a coping mechanism that we've cultivated in our life. And I think service can be one of those where I think some people, I you know, know so many friends who have come to me about this, they feel like they're people pleasers. And it would be mm. really easy for them to say, oh, service is my core skill set. I, I'm born to help people. And it's like, are you? Or is this just a coping mechanism that you developed in your early life? Mm. And this is an identity that you hold on to that might not actually be you. And so I think those two questions, no matter which core skill set you is, and another one is coordinating. So we talked mm. about words, analysis, service, coordinating. Really getting clear on, are you external or are you internal? Is it wounded? Is this skill set coming from... And it could be both. You could be wounded mm-hmm. and inspired. Mm-hmm. It could be a natural God-given skill set that you want to use in the world. But it's really important to at least cultivate that awareness so that you're choosing your career and it's not just choosing you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Choosing your career. It's not just choosing you. I actually really like that. Hey, mom. First things first. Thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help. And yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. I'm like, these are incredible. Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kids snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one 
one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. Okay, these are some really helpful examples and I even, I mean, even thinking about is this really a, a skill set or is this almost like something that's coming up kind of as an identity based off of a trauma or a hardship that I've had. How do you differentiate between the two? Is that something that's really helpful to have someone walk with you through? Like what if someone's listening and they're like, wow, I never thought of that. I don't even know how I would be able to tell. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's about your own personal satisfaction. You know, mm-hmm. like I think we've gotten so cut off from our intuition and it makes sense. According to research, we perform, we're happier when we're performing well. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to perform well when we're doing something that's naturally something we're good at. And so I think for anybody, if you're performing really well in a service job and you're just excellent at service, but you don't feel satisfied, there's one of two things happening. Uh, usually when people read my 10 core skill sets, they'll find that they resonate with three or even four of them. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's not just about which one or two or three you resonate with. It's about which one you want to lead with. And I always tell people, knowing what your core skill sets are matter, but knowing your number one that you lead with matters the most. And from there, asking yourself, is this ver- the version of service that I want to be expressing? Does this job allow me to express service in the way that I feel like I want to? And and so I, I think it's it's a complex question. And another mechanism I really look at is your core values and how important it is to... And I'm sure you've talked so much about this with them because you have you know, with your work on clarity, core values always comes up. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest mistakes I think people make is, number one, they're either overriding their core skill set to be someone else in their job. So that's kind of what happened for me when I worked in counterterrorism. Words was my core skill set. I misunderstood how words were going to look in that job. I actually was working in analysis. And no wonder I was tired all the time. Mm -hmm. I was working outside of my core skill set. So being tired, not feeling happy with it, they're just inner alarm clocks for you to ask yourself. So really just ask yourself, what is it about this that isn't feeling good? What is it about this that is making my energy feel drained? These are the questions to ask. And if it's not that you're working outside of your zone of genius, it could be the place that you're working because there's the what of your career. That's your core skill set, mm-hmm. how you spend your day, your responsibilities. The second half of your career is the how. Mm -hmm. And given that we know that more than 50% of people leave their jobs because they don't like their boss, Mm -hmm. what we know is that how your job looks matters just as much Mm -hmm. as what your job is. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the how comes back to your core values. The how comes back to what do you value in the world? What are the non-negotiable principles in your heart that you live your life by that are guiding principles for you, not words that you want to be more of, because I think that's a common misstep that we make with choosing core values is we pick words that we want to embody versus words that we are really mm. looking at what are those words that without that word, you don't exist anymore. That's mm. an indicator that that's you. Like for me, I value humor mm. and 
if I wasn't being funny and a friend saw me for more than 10 minutes and I had no, nothing silly to say, or <laughs> they would, they would think something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like they would, you know, cause I'm not there anymore. I'm not being me. And so mm-hmm. it's about really reflecting on those core values, which is a whole different chapter of content that I get into outside of core skill sets, because I think that also can guide you in figuring out what career is best for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So good. So good. Okay. I have more questions. I'm just going to keep fumbling through them so that we just, I'm like, we're going to be here forever because I have a lot of questions that I know everyone's thinking. So here's a question that's now that we've kind of got this foundational um, understanding on core skill sets and the what and the how and understanding a little bit more about why we feel the way we feel when it comes to our jobs and our careers. One question I'm wondering is once someone is really or actually ready to find a job or maybe find a new job, what are some first steps that everyone should do that maybe they don't think to do? What are some of those maybe kind of secret uh, secrets or or steps that maybe get overlooked when it comes to uh, finding a job or finding a new job? I think, you know, obviously I'm going to say as somebody who studies, you know, clarity all of the time, clarity is the most powerful force. Like mm-hmm. knowing what you want yeah. is always going to move the needle. Yeah. But I would say another piece is just around your elevator pitch. You know, the number one asked question in job interviews and in networking conversations is some form of tell me about yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you know how to talk about yourself, which it sounds obvious, but it's not, you know, like knowing how to talk about yourself is is not necessarily an obvious thing because we we assume that because we're hanging out with ourselves all day, that's going to be easy to talk about ourselves, but there's so much we can possibly share. And so it's so important to think in advance of what skill set do you want to use in the workforce? How how are you brilliant at it? And how can you share something that is so much more than what somebody can see on your resume so that your human inside can connect with another person's human inside? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. we get into this mode in the workforce where we're just kind of in this machine mode and we forget that recruiters just want to feel connected. They also want to feel like, is this a person that we want to navigate in the mm-hmm. workplace with or mm-hmm. or see emails from on a day-to-day basis? And so really thinking about how you talk about yourself is key. And even more importantly, knowing when you're being invited into your elevator pitch, Mm. because being invited into your elevator pitch can sound like many different things. It can sound like, tell me about yourself. It could sound like, what got you interested in this job? It could sound like, you know, why are you applying here? Why are you making a career change? It can sound like many different things. And it's all the same thing, which is tell me about yourself. So true. And I, I mean, I think about that as, as an employer and as someone who's been hiring. We often look at both the tangible and the intangibles. And if someone feels super stiff or like they're trying to prove something, we often think, well, they're going to be hard. They're going to be uncomfortable to work with, right? That may not be the truth at all. But when you project this like intensity almost where you're like a machine, it's people also do want to connect with the human side of you and say, what do we even enjoy working with this person? Like they have the skill sets. Great. But (laughs) there's that whole other element of we're going to have to like interact with this person every single day. Can we see them fitting, you know, in the team? And can we see them getting along and all of that? So that's so true. And I think that's a really um, important thing to point out because that's one of those more intangible things that you don't necessarily write on a resume, just remembering kind of to be human. (laughs) So I'm thankful that Mm -hmm. you shared that. Um, and, and kind of in conjunction with that, networking can really be play a huge role in the job search, the job hunt, the landing a job, all of that. Can you share some do's and don'ts of how to network well when you are looking for a job? You touched on that a little bit, but I would love if you would maybe share just what would be something to absolutely make sure you do or make sure you absolutely do not do this when you're when you're searching for a job or interviewing or networking just to make connections. I mean, I would say the first thing is really knowing the best time to network is when you don't need a job. Mm. Because 
that's when you can form relationships that have no agenda. Mm -hmm. That's when, I mean, people can feel agendas and that's okay. We all have different goals and and it's weird. I feel like it's kind of socially frowned upon even the term agenda for some reason, Mm -hmm. but I think we all have our own agendas in life, whether they're meaningful to us or, or, or not. And so I think first, just really setting the intention to make networking a way of life. And Mm -hmm. a mindset that I like to bring into networking, my little mantra that I use all the time is high intention and low attachment. Mm. So I tell myself, I'm going to keep my intentions high. I'm going to put myself out there, but I'm not going to be attached to how people respond. So Mm -hmm. high intention, low attachment. Mm -hmm. And that has been such a guiding force for me to not hold networking so heavily and obviously, the second best time to network is when you do need a job. Mm-hmm. And so I think if if that is when you're networking, I would say a couple of silly to, uh, tips that really make a difference is when you ask somebody to pass your resume around, it doesn't go as well. Mm-hmm. So I and I and I don't even like to say the words "I'm job hunting." Mm-hmm. I like to say the words "I'm looking to transition into da da da." Even though it's just a linguistic thing, it makes a difference for how people experience you and how people feel when you're approaching them. Mm. And secondly, instead of saying, please pass my resume along, I instead like to say, do you have any suggestions for how I could stand out as a candidate Mm. for X or for Y? Because when you do that, you can attach a copy of your resume and even say, attaches a copy of my resume so you have an idea on my background. Even that language is non-threatening. It's not very ASCII. Mm. And yet you're making yourself clear. You're looking, if you say in your cold emails, you're looking to transition and attaches your resume and you're curious on how you could stand out. It's all very non-threatening. I think another thing with networking is just to remember that it's a numbers game, mm. you know, mm. and that's going to come back. And so is life, you know, mm. like, Life is a game of sifting. Dating and finding the person you want to spend your life with is a game of sifting. Job hunting is a game of sifting. And so I would say getting on LinkedIn and using the advanced search to come up with a list of companies and really get into the mindset that in the same way Amazon does that kind of if-then recommendation, like Mm -hmm. if you like Jordan's book, you're going to like Ashley Stowe's book. Mm -hmm. You know how it does Mm -hmm. that. It's the same with LinkedIn. It's like if you know you would want to work at a company like Disney... Look at people who work at Disney and get curious where else they've been. Where else have they been? Because if they're at Disney, they you probably would be interested in places that they've left Disney for mm-hmm. or places that they worked at prior to Disney. And so starting to build a company list out that's really robust and figuring out who is your potential boss on the team you want to be on at that company, your potential manager, and who's the HR person and how can you get in touch with your potential hiring manager and let them know how inspired you are by the work they're doing. Let them know that you're quote unquote transitioning and that you would love to connect. These sorts of things I think are game changers is being really targeted because I get the idea of networking with friends and family, but let's be candid. Like Mm -hmm. when was the last time that your dad's best friend was hiring Mm -hmm. for the dream job that you want? It's it's Mm -hmm. almost never. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such good advice. I'm just in full support. This is really good. And I really love what you (laughs) said about, just shifting your linguistics a little bit because you're right. It seems almost the way I see it. And kind of I think what you were saying is when you say I'm trans, I'm looking to transition from X to, you know, X to Y, it doesn't feel so um, like I'm hunting for something and I need you. It, it comes across as less desperate and more opportunistic and not in a, not in an opportunistic, like weird way. Like I need something from you. It's actually from like a, I am confident in where I'm at, right? It comes from a place of confidence rather than from a place of desperation when you're receiving that, if someone were to say that to you. So I think that's a really 
good point and something we probably wouldn't even think of. So that's exactly what I was looking for. Thank you for sharing that. Um, one thing, another thing that I want to share too, is, or want, would love for you to share is a little bit on negotiation. Um, there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who feel uncomfortable asking for a certain salary and who may even sell themselves short. I find this to be something that a lot of people ask about. What would be your advice to them and how can they shift their mindset that, so that they don't start feeling guilty asking for a certain salary or a certain dollar amount? Well, I will say that according to the research, a majority of recruiters expect you to negotiate. Mm. So when you don't, they actually are surprised. Mm. Uh, so that's the first thing. And we've already seen the data that you lose out on about a half million up to a million dollars of income in your life if you don't negotiate. And I could go on forever for you know the fact that as women, we need to negotiate to step up for each other. And it's not just about you if you're a woman, but realizing like we are still not getting paid what our male counterparts are. And it's so important to step into that for this mission and cause as well. But I mean, knowing that a recruiter expects you to negotiate, I think takes a little bit of the pressure off. And remembering that there's different approaches you can take, like doing research in the, on the job market, looking at positions with a similar level of responsibility to the one that you're looking at, at the competitor company, seeing what pay range they have is key. And I think also knowing that when you negotiate, I think what makes negotiations go sour is number one, people get afraid to do it because they think to themselves, they don't want to lose their job mm-hmm. offer. Like what if they come in too hot and the other person's off put? Mm-hmm. I will say that often employers will be off put if you're asking for more than one large thing out mm-hmm. of your negotiation. So if you're asking for an increase in pay, make it focused on your increase in pay. If you're asking for a significantly additional amount of time off, make it about that. If you want to offer two things, you can let them know here are a couple of things that I'm hoping for. Totally understand that both of these might not be something you could do, but would love to see if there's a way we can meet in the middle. Um, I think that kind of language is is non-threatening as well. So I, I've never, ever heard, and I've coached so many job seekers, I think at least 400 in my private practice and more than 7,000 in my online courses. I've never heard of one losing a job offer because they tried to negotiate. Hmm. That's reassuring because I definitely think that's probably the main um, fear of most to feel like if I ask for something, they're going to revoke the job offer, right? (laughs) So if that's not happening, then that should be a sign of encouragement to you if you are listening and finding yourself in a similar place. Now, another thought would be, what if someone's already in that job and they just want to ask for a raise or negotiate a higher salary? Is it the same approach? Do you have any tips for that person who maybe has been in the job for two years, but they feel like they've been underpaid at this point or they need an increase to be able to justify staying in that job? I would say one of the most powerful fields of research that I love is called job crafting. And it's all about turning kind of like a bland job into a grand job. And mm-hmm. what that means is figuring out what that core skill set is for you and being able to say to yourself, all right, if I'm not working in my zone of genius right now, And I want to eventually career pivot or just transition. It doesn't have to be a full-on pivot into something more aligned. How do I take initiative today in my job right now to take on a responsibility or project that kind of positions me as someone who does sync up with the way that I want to be and who I want to be in the workforce? Um, So I would just reflect right now, what are some projects you could take on in your role right now that you could pitch to your manager, letting them know that 
you're really inspired by them and the teamwork that you're doing and that you really, really want to add value through this specific project and, and getting their permission for you to take it on. I think that kind of effort of your energy and your vision is so valuable for your boss, but even more valuable for you, not just on your resume, but within yourself and the person that you become in the workforce. Mm, that's good. That's so good. Okay. Qu- couple last few questions for you. First, how can someone spot a bad boss or a bad job fit while still in the interview process? What should you be looking for during the application or the interview process to figure out if the company itself is the right fit for you? It's it's hard to know on paper if the company is the right fit. But what I will say is when you look on LinkedIn, one thing you're going to learn is that people talk about their job on LinkedIn much differently than they do on a job posting. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing would be to start paying attention to how people are talking about their job on LinkedIn. Start reading people's description. And not everybody puts a description, but the more you can read, the better off you are because it puts you in a position to say, hey, I am learning how this person is actually spending their day. Mm -hmm. And I think there's value in that. And then, of course, um, one of the most powerful ways with kind of going back to networking is the power of association. So if you can network with people who maybe went to the same high school or college that you went to, if you went to college, that's always a powerful way to open up a cold email and maybe kind of reflecting if you want to look at a larger company, is there somebody that you have any sort of power of association with that you can email and increase their odds of responding to you and supporting you? Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Really good. Okay, I have one last question for you. You ready for it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like launching them at you so that we can like get through them. Okay, next question is: <laughs> I know you talk about two key questions that you can ask to turn conversations into job interviews. Can you share what those questions are? I want to end on something kind of juicy here. <laughs> we kind of stepped into one of them, which is: Do you have any recommendations for how I can stand out as a candidate? That's mm-hmm. one. But the second one, when you're networking, is instead of saying to somebody, you know. And that question, by the way, is better than, can you pass my resume around at your company? But the other question that instead of saying to them, do you know anybody at any other company, you can ask them a question like, are there any companies out there that maybe I haven't considered that are a lot like the company that you're at that you might suggest that I look into? Hmm. When you ask somebody that, what you actually ask them is, do you have any friends at other places that you can connect me to? Because I will tell you, at least one out of 10, if not more people, when you ask them that question, will say, actually, there's a few other companies and I know someone there and maybe they'll talk to you and and they help you network, mm. which is really, really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So helpful. Ashley, you've shared so much gold in this conversation. I just hope anybody who's listening has been writing down vigorously in their note section of their phone <laughs> or a journal or something. Especially you guys, if you're feeling really stuck in your career or just confused on what you want, it really does matter. I mean, I always say clarity is our greatest currency. Um, A lot of times we focus on making more money or making more or getting more time back. But it's like it starts with knowing what you want. You can't make more money if you don't know what you want. You can't land yourself in the right place if you're still unclear on what you're best at and what is actually the right thing for you. And so I wanted to have this conversation for this purpose to hopefully give you some first steps if you're feeling really unsatisfied or unfulfilled or just like it's not the right fit. Ashley, where can everyone find you if they'd like to learn more or maybe even check out the programs that you offer, the services you have when it comes to finding clarity in your career? Thank you so much for asking. If you have asked me so many fun questions I haven't been asked on podcasts. So this is like such a treat. For oh, me. good, good. <laughs> yeah. 
So one place you can find me, I have a podcast. It's called U-Turn Podcast, Y-O-U, Turn. And then that's also the name of my book, which is available now on Amazon if you are in the U.S. or on Book Depository's website if you're international. And the book is called U-Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, and Design Your Dream Career. Awesome. I love it so much. Ashley, thanks again. It's been such a a pleasure and a joy to get to talk with you. And honestly, I've learned a lot myself. So I'm thankful to have you. And I know it's just going to bless our listeners so much. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.